It's time once again for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Pam Curie. Welcome to the Franchise Business Radio Show. This is your host, Pamela Curry, and we have another great episode of Franchise Business Radio. Um, part of the reason for that are the guests that are in the studio right now. With uh, We have uh, David Deutsch uh, and Sharon Estroff. Am I saying that correctly? Wonderful. I'm getting it. And Michael Rosenthal. Uh, and part of the reason this show is going to be exceptional is because there's such deep franchise industry experience and knowledge. Uh, so for our listeners out there, let's just go ahead and uh, introduce our guest. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Um, thank you, Pam, for having me uh, on the show and look forward to talking with you today. And what are you going to be talking to us about? Um, just various issues that we encounter from time to time in, uh, that I encounter in my franchise law practice. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into that. Sharon, welcome to the show. Tell us why you are here and what you're um, going to be sharing with us today. Well, I'm here to talk about my um, franchise, Challenge Island, which is an educational franchise. Um, we have about 45 franchi franchises right now, about 30 franchisees, and we're growing really fast. So I'm excited to share about it. Well, welcome. Congratulations. That Thank is, you. yeah, you're, you're hitting what I call the, the going over that curve. You're going to a whole nother level with your franchise system. So my listeners yeah, are going to be excited to hear that. And David, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pam. Thanks for having me. And uh, who are you here to talk about today? Well, today I'm excited to talk about a new franchise concept that we just launched called Presence of Mind. And we're a personalized gift store, and we aim at the tourist marketplace. Wonderful. And um, obviously, I have a little bit of a personal interest here, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we dive into that, Rich, tell us a little bit about Dave. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, so David Deutsch and his wife, Kim, have uh, spent the first 30 years of their professional lives creating uh, and franchising various enterprises from business services to retail. In 1984, you co-founded ExecuTrain and built a franchise organization with sales of $175 million at 225 sites in 26 countries. You did that all on your own? <laughs> Is that a one-man operation? I don't no. think so. Yeah. A lot of learning there. Wow, yeah. I would, ex I would expect so. That's a whole other show right there. Wow. Exactly. Um, so Inc. Magazine listed, uh, it's right, ExecuTrain? Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Among the fastest-growing private uh, companies three times. Dang, so twice wasn't good enough when I ran our <laughs> once. I'd be excited just to be somewhere announced once, yeah. Uh, so, again, Success Magazine said uh, they were the number one computer training franchisor of 1996 and named them to the franchise Gold 100. Uh, David was Ernst & Young's uh, recognizes Entrepreneur of the Year. Wow. Um, over the years, David has consulted with businesses that uh, desired expansion through franchising, worked in all aspects of franchise development, including refining the prototype location, franchise development, marketing, financial, legal aspects. Um, Y'all will have a lot to talk about with uh, Michael here, right? <laughs> all right. And um, in, in addition, franchise sales, franchise support, operational support. But your uh, entrepreneurial spirit, you and your wife uh, got the best of them when, they, when you decided to open presents. Of mine, and we'll hear about that pun or that um, what that entails. Uh, retail store gift specializing in personalized items, and um, and now you 
presence of mind is a new franchise opportunity. So yeah. welcome to Franchise Business Radio. Thank Absolutely. You. Welcome, Dave. And, and first, let me just say the, the name Presence of Mind. I actually really like, but yeah. uh, <laughs> unless you know how it's spelled, it might really throw you off. Uh, radio, yeah. We'll, we'll have it in the show notes <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Exactly. So Presence yeah. is as, as in gifts, right? Yeah, yeah, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Yeah. So very, very important thing to note there. And I just, before we uh, get to learn a little bit more about Presence of Mind, Dave, I have to put in this little personal uh, comment. Dave and I actually go back over 25 years. And um, I really attribute my franchise career to uh, him and his wife because I worked underneath their leadership for six years at ExecuTrain. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And so there's then, some history there. Yeah, a yeah. little history here. And then later in our career, uh, Dave and I actually worked together uh, with a boutique franchise consulting firm. And specifically what we did is we helped independent business owners take their concept and franchise it. So a lot of history here and very excited about this new concept. And we are too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. Um, okay. Kind of let's kick this off. Who is Presence of Mind? Okay. Well, as I started with, we're a personalized gift store. And right now we're in Blue Ridge, Georgia. So we really focus on making a lot of uh, uh, gifts, whether it's for weddings, uh, babies, uh, homewarming, uh, and then a lot of people getting gifts for themselves. So we take care of that too. But our real uh, little specialty in the marketplace is that we turn our gifts around in about one to two hours. Mm. So that's really perfect for that tourist market, people that are either shopping for the day or up for the week, that they could leave with the gifts that they have personalized. Excellent. And it makes sense because your first location is in a tourist market. Exactly. Um, would this work well in other types of markets? It sure would. It's uh, it's not limited to the tourist marketplace. Uh, it also would work well in, uh, I'm going to say, more boutique areas in uh, suburban and also city areas as well. Absolutely. And I, I know firsthand because I've done a little bit of shopping there. And <laughs> I am a boutique shopper. So, uh, so let's talk about the business model a little bit. Okay. Uh, why did you decide to franchise Presence of Mind? Well, first, um, you know, I guess during the intro, my wife and I have a lot of franchise experience, but we never really intended to franchise Presence of Mind. We had moved up to the Blue Ridge area uh, about four years ago full-time and uh, decided to open up our retail store, Presence of Mind. And after a couple of years, we were getting a lot of customers saying, I really love your products. I've never seen anything like this before. This would work great in my market. And Kim and I kept going back and forth and saying, do we really want a franchise? Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided we do. But uh, I'm going to say not a, a huge franchise organization, but wanted to build a very niche uh, kind of franchise concept, as we talked about, in tourist and in boutique areas in very special markets across the U.S. Makes perfect. And speaking of the product, we have uh, quite a few items here in the mm -hmm. studio. And uh, I am very pleased. I've been a personal shopper. We've got a beautiful cheese cutting board here that I just purchased for some friends of mine who I attended their wedding and a gorgeous personalized tote bag and a uh, water bottle. <laughs> Lots of <laughs> we're walking. We're walking. A little sampling there. <laughs> yes, it's excellent. Uh, so as you just kind of alluded to, uh, this is a ground level franchise opportunity. It is. Yes. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that, the trade-offs between 
between a mature franchise system Mm -hmm. and a ground-level franchise system? Well, um, I've worked uh, with several startup franchises in the past, and that you really have a lot of differences between the franchise prospects that come in in the early stage versus ones that come in in a more mature franchise system. So I, I think in general... The franchisees that come in in the early stage are more entrepreneurial than the ones that are later. Mm -hmm. So the ones that come in in the beginning tend to be people that want to help kind of form the system. Uh, They're more leaders as opposed to followers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to get a lot more support and hand-holding from the owners and founders of the business as you do later on in the business. So there are definite trade-offs between an early stage and a later stage franchise. Absolutely. And uh, and to your point, when it's a ground-level opportunity, um, one of the great advantages is having direct access to the founders. Right. um, And having that commitment to the the success of that first generation Mm -hmm. of franchisees. Uh, Obviously, a great franchise opportunity. Uh, Who, based upon that, who would be the ideal candidate to become a franchisee? Well, I think like most franchise organizations that you're, at least uh, in my experience, you don't really want people that have the, that come from that industry as much as you do people that have great customer service skills, uh, that they're good uh, followers, uh, that um, they're, uh, uh, in our case, they need to have some software comfort a lot of our products that are developed are really driven off of a software system. Mm. And instead of printing to a printer, we're printing to things like an embroidery machine or a laser engraver or whatever it might be. So they have to have the computer skills or the computer uh, comfort level to learn new software. So customer service um, is probably the most important management and technology skills are by far the most important skills to bring to the table. Now, I would imagine um, technology has kind of changed the landscape for personalized gifts. It has uh, tremendously. Yeah, we, uh, you, you really, it's a very software-driven, a lot of people think of our industry as more of a crafty, uh, people who like to make little home projects, but it's much more of a a software-driven business Mm -hmm. than it is, uh, you know, a lot of cutting and (laughs) sewing and things like that. Right. I have this visual of being in, uh, I don't know, a craft class and using those fancy scissors. I was was never very good at that. (laughs) I do remember Knit Magic (laughs) growing up as a kid (laughs) for all of of those out there that were my age, you know. (laughs) Uh, So tell us a little bit. But anyone who is interested in, in just becoming more educated about the opportunity and becoming a franchisee, how would they go about doing that? Well, probably the best would be, I think it's always good to get a little background information before you you dive into something like this. And so we have a website uh, that's just for our franchise program. And as you said, it's a, a little bit of uh, a spelling issue with presence of mind, with the play on the words which I guess I'm used to with the last name of Deutsch. I'm used to always spelling my name. So <laughs> now I'm used to spelling our company's name as well. So it's, it is 
uh, presenceofmindfranchise.com. And like you mentioned earlier, it's presence, like a gift present mm-hmm. uh, of, and then mine, M-I-N-E, franchise.com. Excellent. Well, congratulations and welcome. Well, thank you, Pam. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more because I'm excited to be working with you in regards to presence of mind. Great. Thank you, Pam. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, we've got another great franchise opportunity and uh, founder uh, in the studio. And, you know, what's so great about franchising is there's just so many different business concepts out there. It runs across so many different industry categories. And we're going to kind of come over to a whole different type of opportunity. Um, and Sharon, I want to welcome you. But before we learn about Challenge Island, uh, Rich, would you share with us uh, a little bit about Sharon? Absolutely. I was uh, looking at David's website and uh, the pricing is not is very reasonable on there. For these specialized uh, gifts, um, we we try to yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to take us from uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains to the island. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where we're going with the attorney here in a minute, but yeah, we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> to the courthouse. Yeah, <laughs> avoid the courthouse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, Sharon is the founder and CEO of Challenge Island, uh, an international education franchise on the forefront of um, STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math, um, education, and the 21st century learning. She's an award-winning elementary school teacher with two decades of experience in Atlanta public and private schools. Sharon started Challenge Island in her second grade classroom and began running it as an enrichment business uh, using the current model in 2003. Uh, fast forward, began franchising the program in 2013 and now has 50 franchises uh, across the U.S. Uh, and, as well as international. That's a big benchmark to kind of cross, right? It's the first few that aren't easy, but getting past 10, 20 into the multiples, right? Yeah, but, uh, it's been really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're a nationally recognized um, parenting and education uh, expert as a freelance writer for numerous uh, national publications, including uh, Scholastic Parent and Child, Parents Women's Day, Good Housekeeping Magazines, um, author of the pop- popular parenting book, Can I Have a Cell Phone uh, for Hanukkah? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and uh, you're a sought-after speaker, presented to uh, scores of communities nationwide about the trials and tribulations of raising kids in the digital age. We talked about that. Sure did. Your challenge um, and, um, and raising adults or any at any <laughs> level, right? Uh, your graduate degree from Emory University. Um, lots more. So uh, let's welcome Sharon to the show here so we get into the conversation. Oh, yeah. And you know what, you know what Sharon, what's um, so intriguing to me about your, your business is because it's more than a business. Uh, there's a passion here mm-hmm. uh, and there's a mission. Uh, so talk to us about the mission. Yeah. Um, a- as a parent, as an educator, as a writer who does a lot of research on, on what's happening with kids and um, you know what's going on in education today. It's really um, a combination of everything I've learned up to this point about what what kids need and what um, parents and educators and schools are wanting. Mm. So, Challenge Island is kind of this answer um, to the 21st century parenting conundrum, mm. which is, you know, we we're raising these digital native kids that are relating on um, through Snapchat. You know, there, there's not face-to-face interaction. They're um, being raised uh, in schools that are putting 
incredible pressure on them to perform. Mm. They're, uh, they, they practice the test all year long uh, until, you know, there's two weeks, two or three weeks in May when they get to have parties because they finally got through the um, testing. The, the teachers are very disillusioned, um, mm. the parents, the children. So I, I really was very intent on bringing um, the, the love of learning you know, back to these kids and bringing the art of face-to-face interaction, as well as um, there's there's been identified a number of 21st century skills that, you know, the, the world is different now. It, for mm. The kids are graduating, and they don't have a lot of the skills that they need to really thrive in a global economy. Um, those skills have been identified. There, there's something called the Partnership for 21st Century Learning, and it's all about um, what these kids need. They need to be able to collaborate. They need to be able to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. They um, need to have what's called grit or uh, perseverance when, when the going gets tough. Um, they need to be creative thinkers. You know, right. if you we, we spend all of their um, school career trying to get them to think inside the bubble, you know, mm-hmm. fill in a standardized test the way it's supposed to be filled in. But if you're really going to make it out there in this world, um, global economy, you need to be able to think outside and, and be the one who comes up with the different answer. So we challenge island uh the other thing is that i i really feel that kids need to be in an environment that um embraces their imagination Mm. and uh, um our our whole philosophy everything we do in challenge island is uh, we have two entities in mind there's today's child and for that reason we're fun and we're whimsical and the kids are in bandanas and face paint there's music playing and we um Everything takes place kind of on these imaginary islands. Each unit, each unit of study, uh, we have Volcano Island, we have Amusement Park Island, we have Hollywood <laughs> Island, we have <laughs> Mythology Island. Wow! Um, I want to go back to school now. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all really exciting, and you know they have maps and they have passports to go with it. So it's very much what the kids love. But at the same time, we're also keeping an eye on the other entity, which is the adult of the future. Mm. And, and that we're, everything we do has a purpose. You know, we, we have the kids present. The, they, they work with their tribe. They have to brainstorm. They use um, tribal planning slates wow. to, to draw their ideas out. They, they build it. We, we have something called the Challenge Island Totem Pole, which is actually the engineering process. Mm. Every class goes through the same process, the, the understand the problem, brainstorm, um, build, test, rebuild, right. test again, rebuild again. And then at the end, we always present because we want them to have public speaking skills. Mm-hmm. And um, we're very much focused on what those needs are. And it really is a passion you know, obviously, I could probably talk about it. But yeah, <laughs> I can't tell. I, I don't. I, I see zero passion in this at all. Yeah. I will share with you a couple things that were just kind of coming to my mind as you were yeah. you were sharing about the mission and the passion. And and first, I I love I love the concept and and the the mission behind it because I do think there's a lot of pressure for children out there right now. And I like that label, digital natives. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that that's a good one. And I I kind of keep coming back to this. Um, 
of course, the show Survivors, right? Right, <laughs> right. And that, that's it. sort of our inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. they're in tribes and yeah. they have challenges, but, but nobody gets voted off that's the island. They don't, nobody get, they don't get <laughs> kicked <laughs> off the island. Yeah. I, I have that's considered good. it. <laughs> Come on. How about you standing in the corner? Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had to do that exactly. as a kid, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, you've talked about a lot of the unique components of Challenge Island. Uh, Challenge Island is so unique in the children's franchise market. Why is that? You know, I I think that um, the STEM market is hot. Uh, There's a lot of... of And let me... I'm uh, going to cover... STEM STEM is um, science, technology, engineering, and math. And and that's one of the skills that's been identified as something that kids need to thrive. Understand. And and um, it's it, there's a lot of funding going towards it. it. It's become a really big focus in education and also at the um, government level. Okay. So there's a lot of franchises out there that you know address in different ways um, STEM, and it. it it was really important to me to differentiate ourselves from that because we we are STEAM, which is uh, STEAM is sort of the new STEM. STEAM mm-hmm. adds art into the mix because okay. at, which makes STEM, which is traditionally probably more boys um, are attracted to it, you know, just your straight engineering kind of thing. The STEAM adds a more creative component. But if you think about Leonardo da Vinci, you know, he was actually one of the greatest inventors of all time. He mm. invented, like, a helicopter and all kinds of things like that. So uh, it, they really do belong together. Um, and, and we feel really strongly about incorporating that creative component into the engineering challenges that we have. And I think that that makes us very creative, um, I mean, very unique, but also that we have sort of all these other things going on. Um, we've got the 21st century skills angle. So it's not just what, while STEAM is certainly a 21st century skill that we need, we have a lot of other things, you know, in the mix. And, and it's done in such a creative way. Um, it, it's very educationally grounded, like I said. I think there's not that many teachers. When I first, when somebody first suggested to me to franchise it, I you know, as a teacher, it's not something you ever think about. Mm -hmm. So I thought McDonald's, you know, how could this be like McDonald's? (laughs) So the golden arches, right? (laughs) It's really been a learning curve. Um, But but that we're very much um, run by educators. Uh, Our franchisees do not have to be teachers, but uh, coincidentally, or not so much, Many of them are mm-hmm. because they feel that same passion. And they're also, like I said, there's many teachers who are very disillusioned with the educator, educational system and are looking for an opportunity, you know, to, Outside. to without mm-hmm. starting over again. Sure. You can still be a teacher and you can own your own business. Right. You know, and, and that's not something that a lot of them think about. So when they were actually going up to the National Educators Association um, in a couple of weeks, mm. and we're going to be, you know, talking to a lot of teachers up there. So that's, I think that that makes us really Yeah, unique. I mean, when you think about uh, the ideal franchisee profile, not that you necessarily yeah. have to be a teacher, but it seems to really appeal, it sounds I, I, like. I think that it does when um, people hear about Challenge Island and they're looking at lots of the other STEM opportunities, 
they, I often hear, you know, when I got to you, I knew you were the one. I didn't ha- I stopped looking. Mm. And, and that's, that's our owner. Our owners are so passionate. And they're not, like I said, they're not all teachers. They certainly don't have to be. It's absolutely possible to even hire a teacher. We have some owners who will, uh, are more business-minded, mm-hmm. and, and they'll hire a teacher to manage um, the franchise or the territories. So let's let's talk about the classroom. Uh, your franchisees do not need to own a facility. Right. Uh, so where are the classrooms held? You know, what do they look like? What do they yeah. feel like? So one of the um, I think most exciting parts about this model is that we are a mobile business. So we're, we're really home-based, but we're going where the kids are because many parents work. They can't get out necessarily ap- to pick up their kids after school to take them to some kind of program. Um, and also there's a really high overhead associated with, you know, having a business space. So we actually, our um, clients are the schools or the parents um, the PTAs, the parent foundations, they bring us into the school. They give us the space. We nice. are doing them as much of a favor as um, they're doing for us. It's very much, you know, a win-win situation because there's a lot of kids, you know, hundreds, thousands of kids in a school sometimes that mm-hmm. all go to the after-school program. And the after-school programs are more like babysitting. Mm. So the, the an enrichment program like Challenge Island would be brought in to say, okay, well, you know, you're going to be at school till six o'clock every every day, but let's let you go experience Challenge Island from two thirty to three thirty, and then it doesn't feel, you know, so bad. Absolutely. So we uh, we do camps, um, we do birthday parties, we do a lot of in school field trips where we bring our, our um, say our logo or there is that we'll come um, take your, your students on an island vacation without ever leaving the classroom. You know, we'll come in, we'll bring this excitement, but they don't have to pay for buses. It's okay. much more economical. Makes sense. So, and, the, and that's kind of what I want to understand a little bit more for, for our listeners who are considering, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, coming a franchise. Uh, what does that business model look like? Where are the profit centers? Because it right. sounds like you've got uh, sure. several different revenue channels. We we really do. And that's one of the nice things, too, about Challenge Island is you can really focus on the parts that you love the most. Um, our primary profit centers are the after-school classes. That For me, that's my primary focus. That's what I love the most because I was a teacher and I love working you know, in the school environment. That's certainly um, a, a lot of... Um, the in- income comes from that. The, uh, uh, another primary profit center are the in-school field trips where we'll come in. Uh, we do it during the camp. I have a franchisee here um, up in Canton who's, who's every Monday is coming in and doing 115 kids um, at the re- Parks and Rec, you know, at the Cherokee County Parks and Rec. So that's sort of a – we bring the field trip into the, the camp and – we can we do that. So okay. the and the other is that we run our own camps. We have we'll rent a space just for the summer. Sometimes um, the parks and rec. Sometimes at a church, um, we find the space. We run the camp, you know, and it, so it's a temporary kind of place that we'll bring the kids into. Absolutely. So yeah. if someone wanted to get in touch with you and dive deeper and learn more, how would they go about doing that? 
So our website is www.challenge-island.com. We're waiting for that straight Challenge Island to come available. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget the dash. And um, you can just press contact us. And, uh, you know, we will get right back in touch with you. All right. You want to repeat that for us? www.challenge-island.com. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Sharon. Very sure. exciting. And, and appreciate the mission and, and taking care of our next generation, right? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, we have, uh, we have one other guest. Just so much great, I mean, just franchise industry experience in the studio, Rich. It's um, I hope we've got a lot of listeners out there taking advantage of it. Uh, but um, let's, we're going to kind of go to the other side. We've been talking about franchise business opportunities, but like any business, there's a legal factor. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the franchise world, right, Michael? Goodness, there's a legal factor. <laughs> he, he hopes so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, franchise is very highly regulated uh, on a federal as well as a state level. So if you wouldn't mind introducing our, our next guest who can educate us. Absolutely. So we're going to take a dash off the island (laughs) and over to uh, Wagner, Johnston, and Rosenthal. Uh, So Michael Rosenthal, attorney at law, practicing attorney for 35 years with practice focus on franchise and distribution law, 1980 graduate of University of Florida College of Law, assistant attorney general, state of Georgia, Uh, From 1980 to 1984, Special Projects Coordinator, Georgia Governor's Office of Consumer Affairs, uh, 1984 to Private practice law. So then you move into the practice in private, right? Yes. um, (laughs) I I really enjoyed working for government, but um, as you can imagine, it has its frustrations (laughs) and... um, it's an economic uh, sacrifice, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> well I said. Like Only attorney word. would say it that way, yeah. An economic sacrifice. <laughs> <Yes>. high enough. I want to have you start writing our show notes from now on, yeah. I love it. So, um, and as you mentioned, Private Practice, active member of the ABA uh, Forum on Franchising and Georgia Bar's section of Franchise and Distribution Law, represents uh, franchisors and franchisees, product distributors and licensors uh, in all their legal needs. Uh, your practice is national in scope, representing clients all over the U.S., along with inbound franchise sellers wishing to do business in the U.S. and outbound franchise uh, sellers wishing to do business overseas. Your firm, uh, Wagner, Johnston, and Rosenthal, is celebrating 35 years in uh, business and focuses on representation of privately held business. Congratulations on the uh, 35th year. That's, that's a, uh, not an easy accomplishment, right? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Yeah. I can't, oh, there you go. Um, I can't even take any credit because I didn't join the firm until oh, okay, 1996. Yeah. But okay, for legal go. reasons, then we have to delete the applause. Yeah, so, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, you know what's kind of scary is we're all really dating ourselves in the studio. Uh, 35 plus years. Yeah, yeah. 20. <laughs> it is what it is, right? Okay. Uh, okay. Let's let's think about our listeners and for those that are considering franchise ownership. And um, so I'm going to put on my my franch- prospective franchisee buyer hat. I'm interested in buying a franchise, and the franchisor just gave me this document called the Franchise Disclosure Document. From a legal standpoint, this is an overwhelming document. What should I be looking for? Um, well, first of all, before you look at the document, I always suggest strongly that you do all your other due diligence. Mm. Do it first. Because why pay a lawyer? Why pay an accountant? You should consult an accountant as well in this process, unless you're fairly confident that this is the franchise that you want to buy. 
Good point. So um, that includes all the other due diligence that typically you would do. Um, In terms of looking at the document itself, one of the challenges I find with my franchisee clients is getting them to actually read it. (laughs) So um, typically they run 80 to several hundred pages. I think Dunkin' Donuts uh, FDD is 600 some odd oh, pages. Lord. So I always urge people, you're going to have to get through this. Get, you know, whatever caffeine or whatever you need to get going, you know, get two pots of coffee, sit down and read it, and then uh, make some notes for yourself. You know, what don't you understand? Sure. What questions do you have for an attorney so that you can then have a good Q&A with your lawyer and try to find out the answers to the questions that you have? Um I think in analyzing the document, one thing you have to recognize if you're an experienced business person is a franchise agreement is very different than a lot of other agreements, a lot of other contracts. Mm -hmm. It is significantly one-sided, and you have to understand and accept that. And you have to start looking at what is in the agreement that's there for the protection of the brand, because that's good for you as a franchisee. You want the brand to to be protected. Great point. And- what is there? Is there anything there that's not for the protection of the brand, but it's solely there to protect the franchisor? Mm. That's when you have to start asking questions. Yes, a very, very good point. And um, and actually, the I mean, it's it's interesting to me because I I, pre- I teach and um, and we go through that FDD. And um, very often I'll ask my students, I say, who do you think that FDD is more tilted toward, the franchisor or the franchisee? How would you respond to that? Well, it is tilted towards the franchisor, but again, exactly. in most systems, I like to think, and I, and I do believe, it is largely for the protection of the system as a whole and the brand. So just to give you one example, um, over the years, I've had franchisee clients come to me on an occasion and say, some other franchisee is encroaching on their territory. Mm. And they're advertising and they're marketing in some way that's prohibited by the franchise agreement, hopefully. <laughs> and so if the franchise agreement is well drafted, it gives the franchisor the ability to protect the innocent franchisee who's being poached. Mm. And so that's a brand protection issue. And then basic things. So um, I always use the example of if you go to a McDonald's, whether you love the food or not, you pretty much know what you're going to get. And hopefully you know what the ladies' room and the men's room are going to look like. And that's for the protection of the brand. Because if you owned a McDonald's and there was some other McDonald's nearby that didn't make their French fries the right way, (laughs) it might impact your business in a a negative way. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things that the franchise agreement needs to allow or provide for to protect you as a franchisee. It may seem that it's for the protection of the franchisor, but it's protecting the brand. Excellent. Agree. The, the brand and keeping the consistency in place. And, and that's what you are licensing, right? That's right. As a franchisee. Uh, the reading of an FDD, you've already made, made note of this. This is not pleasure reading. <laughs> um, not even for me. And I get paid for that. But I guess my question is for, for our readers out there, because you get this big document, could you kind of just kind of explain the layout of that FDD and what it looks like, that franchise disclosure sure. document? So um, 
the first part of the FDD is a list. It's not a list. It's 23 items of information broken down into multiple sub-items. Mm-hmm. I know this sounds fascinating. <laughs> um, <laughs> that the Federal Trade Commission requires to be in a franchise disclosure document. And it's all kinds of information, everything about the company and its founding and its affiliated uh, businesses, uh, information about the founders and the officers and directors of the company, whether there's been any litigation, a lot of pricing information, a great deal of information that references or cross-references what's in the franchise agreement. So, mm. And we haven't gotten to this yet, but attached to the FDD is the franchise agreement. But the FDD itself is required to describe what's in the franchise agreement. So I guess it's sort of... Um, Franchise Agreement Review for Dummies. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And, so, um, and, and, I, and I find that um, a lot of my clients don't take advantage of that. So mm-hmm. they really can go to, for example, um, item 17, and it describes in you know, several pages typically what's in the franchise agreement. It gives you the key terms and the key stuff that you need to look for. And then once you get past all of that, um, there's the franchise agreement itself and any other side agreements or ancillary agreements. So oftentimes there are uh, restrictive business covenants, like covenants not to compete. Uh, there may be software license agreements, other license agreements um, that are also attached to the document. And that's all stuff that you need to know about. Absolutely. Okay, so this kind of uh, really brings up a very <laughs> important item if you are uh, considering franchise ownership, and obviously you want to find a franchise attorney, and franchise law is specialized. So, but you know what? I've got an Uncle Bob over here that uh, he knows, he's a lawyer. Uh, why can't I just work with uh, Uncle Bob? <laughs> um, you could. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, if, if uh, my wife decided to um, have our next baby delivered, we're a little late in life for that, but <laughs> next baby delivered by um, an ENT doc, she could do that too. <laughs> but um, there is a reason why people specialize in any field. And, um, you know, I, I find that general practitioners and general business lawyers don't really necessarily understand franchising and how it works. And so I represent a lot of franchisors, and at least once a quarter I'll get a letter or memo that some prospective franchisee's lawyer has drafted Mm -hmm. saying, here are the things you need to change. And it's six pages long, and it's (laughs) single-spaced. And you just need to know if you're on the franchisee side, that ain't going to happen. The Mm -hmm. franchisor is not going to agree to all those changes. First of all, it doesn't allow them to protect their brand. Second of all, it actually sends a bad message about you as a franchisee. It says you're not a team player. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the stuff that they're looking at, picking at, is standard. These are standard items in a franchise agreement that are there for protection of the brand. So Uncle Bob is going to have a tendency (laughs) to go through and come back with a six-page memo and if he isn't your uncle, he's going to charge you a lot of money for that. <laughs> and it's really not money well spent. Um, so a franchise attorney typically is going to know what are the key things that the franchisor might consider changing. A lot of times they're not going to change much. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of pick your battles and um, not waste your money, their time, the franchisor's time, asking for changes that aren't going to happen makes perfect sense and uh yeah we all we're all about uh what was the phrase you lose saving money i'm saying saving money but you had a better I forget, economic but yeah, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, let me kind of jump to the other side. Obviously, we have two parties involved here, right? Or actually, I guess three parties. We're talking about the prospective franchisee right now, and then eventually you become the franchisee. Right. Uh, but before this opportunity even becomes available, uh, the franchisor obviously needs to take that concept and franchise it. Um, so can you kind of take us to the other side of the business equation, explain to us the process you go through if someone comes to you and says, I want to franchise my business? Okay. Um, and oftentimes we will work with an outside consultant. I'll start by saying that because um, I'm a lawyer and while I'm an entrepreneur too, I don't profess to know everything there is to know about franchising. Sure. And I think it's great to work with someone who can help you understand um, pricing on the franchise, back office operations, what kind of staffing you're going to have to have at some point to support your franchisees, and the all-important marketing piece. How am I going to sell this thing? It may be the best thing since sliced bread, but if I can't tell the world about it and find the right people, uh, I'm not going to be able to sell it, probably. Mm -hmm. So um, we often work with consultants. On the legal side, Typically, what we do is we send the client out a lengthy questionnaire, which also requires two pots of coffee to fill out. Um, <laughs> I guess you're keeping the coffee people in business. Absolutely. Whatever. <laughs> coffee franchises. Um, so um, we'll take the information that they provide to us in response to the questionnaire, and typically we'll do a first draft of the franchise agreement. And we start there because I liken this to creating a new species of animal, um, I need to know what the animal's going to look like before I can describe it. So mm -hmm. we'll create the animal. We put in all of the phrases and provisions in the legal agreement. Now I can describe it, which involves drafting the, the FDD itself. Okay. So the process is we'll send the client a draft of the franchise agreement using the information they provided to us. Typically, we'll have a couple of sit-downs, whether it's in person or over the telephone, and go back and forth for a couple of hours, talking with them about options, different ideas. Uh, we send them a draft. They review it. Sometimes we go back and forth several times. Then we draft the franchise disclosure document from there because now we know what our species looks like and we can <laughs> describe it a little bit better. And we go through the same process again. Um, it's a fairly daunting process. Mm. And um, I try to warn people going in, and I probably, I know I run off far more prospective franchisor clients than I keep <laughs> just when I tell them what's involved in the process. Um, and that's just at the FDD level because sure. if they want to register in any of the registration states, oh. we have to go through some additional processes. Yes. Okay. And and I don't want to get too deep into that, but, but real quickly for our listeners, when you say registration states, what are you referring to? Um, there are 14 states that require that you file some kind of registration with a state agency to sell franchises in their state. Some of them are fairly straightforward. You just file it, they mm -hmm. stamp it, they take your check, and you're in business. <laughs> some of them are very granular, shall we say. Yes, that's a um, good word. And um, we'll get back lengthy comment letters from the state agencies saying, change this, what's that? Um, and if you want to know which states they are, um, is a gross generalization. Think the bluest of the blue states. <laughs> uh, so I, I think what I really enjoy about your practice is you are, uh, you really can represent 
you know, different sides uh, of the franchise model. I mean... I have fun with that. Yeah, I, I think it gives me some perspective. Absolutely. Um, so if I were a prospective franchisee um, looking to become a franchise, or if I were an independent business owner looking to franchise my concept, you, you would be that resource. That's right. Um, and one of the things we do occasionally run into is conflicts of interest, which we have to avoid. So um, because maybe 40, 50% of my franchisor clients are in Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, and most of my franchisee clients are in Georgia, sometimes I'll get inquiries and someone will say, can you review an FDD for this franchise? And I'll say, which franchise is it? And I'll find out that we represent the franchise. Order. You and I have encountered this. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but I have a great network of lawyers that I work with locally. And so typically we'll refer that person to another great lawyer. Excellent. I appreciate it. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Michael, how would they go about doing that? Um, they can either email me. be uh, easy. It's msr at wjrlaw.com. And our website is www.wjrlaw.com, or they can call me. Uh, My direct line phone number is 404-365-0005. And um, one of the things I like to do is actually answer the phone, which is uncommon for lawyers, (laughs) I'm afraid. (laughs) What is that phone number again, then? (laughs) 404-365-0005. Excellent. Great advice on so many levels. Uh, Rich, I, I mean, this, this, uh, these guests in the studio, I mean, <laughs> are you ready to buy a franchise? Well, actually, um, I've had a franchise in the past, yes, and so I'm now I'm kind of thinking about um, what went good and, and uh, uh, um, and it wasn't that complicated. It, I don't know if it needed. Well, I wasn't the franchisor, so it was pretty easy. I just signed and gave him a check or whatever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> then you have to do the work. Wow. Right, exactly. Yeah, then I had to do the work. That's where. But if we have a minute, I have a couple uh, just quick questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first with uh, Michael. Um, uh, so if we hypothetically created a franchise just using a pro business channel as an example, which is your, does your firm draw up the, the legal documents and the franchise agreement, or are you – more review those once they're presented. We draw them up, yes. Oh, okay. And um, that's the process that I kind of talked about where we ask you a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. We work back and forth A couple forth of cups with you. of coffee or a couple that's of pots, right. yeah. And, and we create the documents with you together. And I know you've talked about franchise agreements, but what about uh, do you handle in terms of just a license agreement or like in media, it's more of an affiliate, like the local NBC or CBS affiliate? Those are actually probably more complex relationships really? than a franchise oh, wow. relationship. But um, we do do licensing and distribution model um, concepts. One of the things we often go through with new prospective franchisor clients right. is, should it be franchised? Should I go yeah. with licensing? Should I go with some other model? And we'll help the client work through that. Um, we do often find that people have a misconception that we can call something a license right, right, yeah. and, th- and thereby it won't be a franchise yeah, and that's yeah. not true the law defines what a franchise is so the old adage is you know if it flies like a duck quacks like right, a duck yeah. walks like a duck it's a duck <laughs> so you can't just pick the easier one or easier route yeah it's not that's a right. goose right <laughs> so, so we will help them if they want avoid being a franchise and yeah. go to some other model and point out to them 
the, the upsides and downsides of oh, that. Yeah. And then they make a business decision. Yeah. Because I know, Pam, I think some of those in your portfolio are not always have the franchise label on it. Like it may be, be a, a business opportunity. It's mm-hmm. labeled as that, right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the different brands that um, that I represent, some are falling underneath that franchise umbrella. And other business opportunities fall under what I call the non-franchise yeah. business opportunity. Right, yeah. uh, because... It is. They're two different animals. And, and there's actually this sort of narrow niche uh, that's defined as a capital B business, right, capital yeah, O yeah. opportunity yeah, yeah. under law. And um, it's hard to describe, but I, the, the simplest example is it's a, some kind of business in a box, okay. usually without the right to use the trademark. Yeah. So you, it's not branded typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, uh, for David, um, I was kind of curious about – uh, do y'all offer, because you said this is, you can create these gifts pretty much right there on the fly Correct. in a matter of hours or? It's usually a couple hours. Yeah. Is there an opportunity where uh, people could uh, offer that in a festival event or a, a mall kiosk type type thing? or There is on a limited uh, basis. Obviously, we couldn't bring all of our equipment yeah, yeah. you know, to a festival, but uh, we could bring uh, like one of the processes that we use is sublimation, okay. and uh, that's typical for things like phone cases and license plates. So we could bring like a part of our business to a festival um, or a heat press to which we've done in the past to sporting events, right. and uh, I've done specialty shirts at events like that. I thought you said subalization. That's a chiropractic term, whatever. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different thing. Yeah. But, it um, just makes it sound fancy. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because as a, a prospective franchisee, that's kind of an interesting, another revenue model mm-hmm. fuel, right? So you can have your storefront and that whole operation, but almost like the catering division of a food franchise. So if you go on site, that just kind of promotes the brand. You can get some more leads, and but produce something right there on, on the spot. Yes, yeah, so you can definitely do that. Yeah, then mm-hmm. come to the store to get more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Rich, you're actually bringing up a good point because, uh, you know, when you think about profit centers, we were talking about that at Challenge Island. Presence of Mind really has three revenue channels, uh, correct? Tell us about the three revenue channels. Um, you got the storefront, obviously. Right. The storefront and is by far the the bread and butter of right. the business. So we try to be located in locations where there's a lot of foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have a lot of outbound uh, marketing. So we work with a lot of real estate brokers where we'll approach brokers or other yeah. places that buy a lot of closing gifts. And, um, and, and then you have the online. What kind of online... Uh, well, we have an online uh, presence, and all the franchisees have their own uh, uh, site, um, which they can build whatever they want with that. But primarily, we're a storefront, and we use the online more for follow-up orders because we do have a lot of uh, uh, people not from in town. Sure. So they go back home, and the next wedding or baby shower they go to uh, that they can buy online and then we also have a lot of local buyers that uh, don't want to take the 10 minutes to drive to the store, so they'll buy online and just pick it up at the store. <laughs> so save them a little bit of time. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, that's a good segue into um, as we kind of uh, wind down the show. Um, so you're actually working directly with Dave at Presence of Mind. 
right? Uh, we were talking yeah. about that before the show. Uh, yeah. And, and we have a great display here in the studio, <laughs> and we'll see that on the photos in the, uh, in the show posting as well. But tell us about that. Oh, no, thank, thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Dave and I have over 25 years of experience together and uh, have had the opportunity of having our, uh, I'd say, our career zigzag um, mm-hmm. over time. And um, it's uh, Dave just reached out to me that, that long ago and asked if I would uh, like to work with him in building out Presence of Mind. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, obviously, my history with Dave and Kim, um, understanding their their franchise experience, um, their character, their ethic, their philosophy as a franchisor, um, their business-minded, systematic approach. Um, I, I felt really confident in, in partnering up and, and seeing where we could take presence of mind. And so that's now in your portfolio, right? Yes, it is. Actually, uh, as you know, Rich, I am a franchise consultant and I'm affiliated with the network and we have put presence of mind in that network and we are working with the franchise broker community to help, uh, to help build it out. And, um, and again, as we kind of wrap up, um, we may go around to each guest one more time and, um, for point of contact information, but um, again, on your part, so as, as that broker, uh, for those folks who may not be familiar with the hat that you wear, uh, maybe take a minute to kind of share. Listeners go, I'm intrigued by these concepts, or I've listened to previous shows, yeah. so they can reach out to you, right? And, uh, uh, thank you. Right? Yes, yeah. And how does that, that process work? Or? You know, well, I am, I'm an independent franchise uh-huh. consultant, and uh, I kind of, you know, I like to say I, I work with two sides of the house, so to speak. I work with individuals who are considering business ownership or franchise ownership, and they're leaning on me to help them identify what it would be a good business for me based upon my criteria, my investment levels, my area of interest, my vision of being a business owner, what my role is going to be. So I'm really able to guide individuals to the right business. I represent over over 500 brands, actually. (laughs) Yeah. But then there's another side of my consulting practice where um, I do select specific franchisors to work with. And uh, Presence of Mind is one of the brands. The newest ones, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that I'm so working So 501 in. now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and where that gets involved is, is that's where I'm working very closely with the franchisor and helping them with their recruitment strategy okay. of franchisees. And uh, you do want to be selective here. And uh, one of the reasons why I was attracted to the Presence of Mind business model outside of the founders and their deep experience was really because of the franchise business model itself. Um, So as a franchise consultant, you take a look and say, is this a business that is really going to appeal to the prospective franchisee? And uh, definitely saw that and see that in presence of mind. And I guess a couple things, what what I'm referring to is, is it franchisee friendly? Okay. Um, Is there, is there experience in the franchise world? Is the business model been proven? Do we have a proven concept here? Yes. Is the industry ripe for it? Um, Is it going to have a niche in the marketplace? Uh, what does the math look like? <laughs> you know, <laughs> goes back to steam yeah, exactly, or STEM. Yeah, exactly. What does that math <laughs> look like? You know, well, he's got math and art or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We got it all covered in the studio. <laughs> right. uh, and when I say what does the math look like, I go, you know, is it, is it a friendly franchisee fee? What's the royalty look like? What does the ad program look like? Um, 
you know, this presence of mind, for example, smaller footprint for the site selection, um, minimal employees, the opportunity to have uh, semi-absentee ownership that really uh, appeals to a lot of individuals who are considering business ownership. Uh, so you really take a look at the business model and say, wow, is this something that's going to work in the market? And um, and I said yes to all of those with presence of mind. And, um, and of course, obviously, I work with individuals. It really comes down to the individual and what it is they're looking for. Right. But I'm working with both sides depending on, on what the need is. Yeah, because when uh, folks meet with you, you, you sit down uh, – I don't know if it's how many pots of coffee you all have when you sit down, right? <laughs> I'm sad to report I drink Or Diet a few Coke. beers or wines or whatever. <laughs> that yeah. would be better. Yeah, I know you don't drink coffee or whatever, yeah. But, um, but then again, uh, so you walk through that conversation, figure out uh, what's their uh, financial means, how much do they want to. And this sounds like potential low um, uh, point of entry or, uh, and with a potential high reward in this model. But figure out maybe they have an investment. They want to um, own multiple franchises, right? Mm-hmm. Or but, it, but it's kind of most of it's lifestyle, right? Do they want to work from home? Do they have uh, kids? Do they want to travel or not travel? Um, seasonal. Um, Are you looking to become my business partner? You're yeah. really learning. <laughs> well, this I'm, business. I'm just trying to like uh, figure out how to get Michael to draw up the paperwork for me. Yeah, for Po Business Channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> <That's> uh, <cool. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, Being on these shows after you have learned. I know, you right? Have, right, you have learned. You have uh, you have learned this very well. You're absolutely right. I mean, you sit down with the individual, really go in and do a deep dive analysis right. and understanding. What is it that you're looking for in a business? Do you want a home base, a retail base? What's our What's our investment budget? Um, are you comfortable with sales? Yeah, uh, because right. uh, we should always be asking, uh, no matter what business we're in, how am I going to go about getting my customers? Right. And so, uh, you know, let's let's talk about how, what is going to be your customer acquisition. You know, are you comfortable managing employees? Right, are employees. You, or right, is inventory. it scalable? Or, yeah. So, really going in and and understanding. What is uh, what is the criteria right. that aligns with that individual um, and what they're looking for in a business? Uh, what is their financial capability? Uh, where is that emotional appeal? Right, the passion, the mission behind it. Yeah, do you uh, want to work with kids or whatever? I'm thinking of a a, um, a friend that she just retired as a teacher, and she'd probably love what you do, right? I mean, uh, and but. That's what's great about those 500-plus franchises you represent. Because so, I know in the past, you just kind of picked up a directory and flipped through it or went to um, the Internet. But now you're a 20-year expert, and you can kind of um, help people navigate those waters and find the, the good fit. So um, we're almost out of time. If, if, if with your permission, I'd like to go to each guest real quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, ask you just a quick question. What is your, what's a good day look like for you and your business? And then if you would share your contact information one more time. So, uh, David, if you'd like to start things off, what's a good day look like for you in your business? And then, again, your contact information. A good day from a franchisor or franchisee? Either one, yeah. <laughs> so, two days. Uh, just, pick one day. Day. just pick one day. Yeah. yeah, at this point, it's wearing multiple hats. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess with today's technology, you're always looking at uh, how our sales are doing at the retail level and making sure that we're uh, continuing the pace that we're on. And from the franchisor level, at this stage, it's uh, generating awareness and leads for the business. So, um, you know, try to have have leads, have sales. It's a good day. Right? <laughs> and how would people find you? <laughs> uh, again, the, the easiest is going to be uh, probably through my email address, which is dave at presenceofmine. 
and one more time, that's gift presents. Right, so it's T R E S N T S of mine, M I N E dot com. Perfect. All right. And uh, Sharon? Um, okay. So a good day from um, my local level because I still yeah. run my local business uh, is serving hundreds of kids um, in the afternoon between the hours of 2.30 and 3.30. We have teachers that go out to all different schools, so that's a good day. Adding additional schools, we just scored. I had a really good day when we scored um, a corporate partnership with the Girl Scouts. They love us because, uh-huh. like I said, we're very. they said we're the most girl-friendly STEM program they've ever seen. All right. So, Congratulations you. on that. Yeah. So we're... And also, you know, that's a national score, too, for all my franchisees. We've created a whole campaign for the Girl Scouts. We have Girl Scout patches for Challenge Island, and um, we're really leveraging that. It's exciting. And, you know, um, when when I I speak to a prospect from a franchisor perspective, when I speak to a prospect that I see that passion in them and we connect immediately, um, that's so exciting to me. And, of course, making sales yeah. and having <laughs> so a great training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how would folks uh, reach out to you or find you? Um, well, they can email uh, info at challenge-island.com. Uh, that's probably easier than spelling my name. And, <laughs> and go to the website. We also have a separate franchise website okay. that they can look at for more information. And there's links. I was at the website. There's a link right there to click on franchise more yeah. information. Perfect. Exactly. And uh, Michael? Um, I guess a good day for me is getting the opportunity to work with a new franchise or client. That's sort of top of the list for me. Um, I, I love working with franchisees too, but I really love helping people franchise their business. And a great day would be when that new franchise or client um, signs their first franchise agreement and is off and running. And that's a big challenge. Uh, yeah. So it's a great day when we can help them get to that point. Perfect. And, and one more, yeah. Um, my contact information again um, email is msr at wjrlaw.com or my phone is 404 365 0005. Do you accept text at that phone? <laughs> um, that's, that's actually the office, office line. <laughs> and um, I, once you're a client, I will give you my cell phone number. Yeah. You have my cell phone number. I know, I sure do. <laughs> What's your home address, social security number, real quick? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that, that really kind of brings Rich, that brings the show to a wrap. And I just want to say thank you to all of our guests. Um, what a great episode of Franchise Business Radio. Um, and I want to encourage our listeners to tune in next month, um, our next show. It's always the second Wednesday of the month. And as all of our regular listeners know, uh, Franchise Business Radio is a platform for bringing together franchise professionals and resources to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and franchise consumer. And speaking of connecting, how would people connect with you? Ah, well, thank you. <laughs> yes, if you'd like to reach out to me, and I do take texts, yeah, <laughs> just teasing, 847 Yes, I am in Atlanta. That is a different area code, but 847-970-8765. And my email is pam at Fran intellect.com f-r-a-n-i-n-t-e-l-l-e-c-t pam at franintellect.com 
Again, we'll have all that information on the show notes, and we'll see you next time. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again for joining Pam Curie and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show.